You know, my uh, home here in Granville isn't too far away from uh, Wedgwood Park, just off of Wilson there. And often in the evenings, especially now that the weather is a lot nicer, um, I'll go for a walk in the evening because there's never anything good on TV to watch. So I'll just head for a walk, and often it takes me right through, right through Wedgwood Park. And um, you know, usually there's a lot there, but but what I miss most often at Wedgwood Park is right at the entrance. There's this World War One and World War Two memorial. I would guess that many of you have been to Wedgwood Park, drive right past it, hardly ever, hardly ever catches your attention, which is hard to believe because it's really big. Um, I can walk past it a dozen times and it hardly catches my eye. It does a little bit more often now uh, because the 4th of July a few years ago, on the 4th of July early in the morning, usually earlier than I wake up on a holiday, they have a a little service, a prayer service in front of this memorial and I helped them a few years ago to do that. And so now this memorial catches my eye more often as I walk past. So I encourage you next time you're near Wedgwood Park, at least stop and look at it. Check and see what what this memorial says, because we need memorials like this one. We need them, and they often show up throughout our cities and our parks, and they remind us that there's moments in history that cannot be forgotten. There's stories behind that memorial. There's stories that need to be told. And so we set up these monuments, we set up these memorials to force us to pause from the busyness of our lives. You know, often we drive right past it, but Maybe sometime you'll stop and you'll pause from the busyness of your life to remember the story, the profound sacrifice, this one, of of two world wars that people right here from Granville made with their lives. And and memorials like this help us not just to remember that past, but then that memory is intended to shape our future. Well, on this Christian Education Sunday, we've been encouraged to join with churches all throughout the country to learn together from Joshua chapter 4, where this importance of remembering the past and learning for the future is clearly displayed. So take out your Bibles with me, if you would, and turn to Joshua chapter 4, page 209 in the Bibles you have in front of you. While you're looking that up, let me set the scene for you since we're jumping back to the Old Testament story here. Here in Joshua chapter 4, the nation of Israel is just about to enter into a a whole new chapter in their history. It's been 40 years now since God led them out of slavery in Egypt. It's been 40 years since God led Moses to to go before Pharaoh and, and God loosened Pharaoh's grip on his people through the 10 plagues. It's been 40 years since the Red Sea opened up and the nation of Israel all passed through on dry ground and the water came crashing back down on the Egyptian army. They've gone through 40 years now of wandering in the desert, waiting to get into the promised land. It's been 40 years of eating manna and eating quail. And now, finally, These 40 years are just about over. Moses is now dead and Joshua is leading the people. And now at this moment, the the desert, hot desert wind is blowing on their backs, but the cool, refreshing breeze out the Jordan River is on their faces. And in Joshua chapter 3, the waters of the Jordan part, just as the waters of the Red Sea did 40 years ago. This time the waters usher them into the promised land instead of into the desert. So the end of chapter 3 is, is, 
is an exciting new beginning. In fact, look at that end of that chapter with me, verse 14. It says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. What an exciting new start. Pause there for a moment. A new beginning is starting. It's starting with this Jordan River parting for them to be ushered into the promised land. And there's so much to be done now. Right? There's, there's so much on the agenda for them. There are cities to capture. There are, there are nations to conquer. There's wars to fight with God's strength behind them. There's mountains to climb and there's valleys to explore. There's harvests to bring in. There's food to be found. There's land to be claimed. There's homes to be built. There's places to settle down and call home. They've been waiting for 40 years for this moment. Their feet are finally out of the desert, and they're into the promised land. But the very first thing that God does for them, the very first thing he commands them to do before they get busy with all this stuff is to pause and set up a memorial. Look at Joshua 4, the first nine verses. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. God tells them that these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So at the very start of this exciting new future, God makes sure that the people of Israel will not forget the past. He wants them to remember, and he wants them to learn from what he has done. So these 12 stones are taken from the middle of the Jordan, and they're carried to Gilgal, 
where they set up camp that night. And there those 12 stones are set up as a memorial. There's, there, there's a pile of stones. And this pile will stand out. It will catch people's eyes because they're not where they belong. It's something that will make them stop and say, what in the world are these here for? And I, I kind of love it that, that Joshua doesn't take these stones and build an altar out of them. And the people of Israel aren't commanded, you know, every year on this day as a remembrance, you need to come back to this place and, you know, offer a sacrifice. No, it's just a pile of rocks in the middle of where they live their everyday life. They probably walk past it, those who stay living in Gilgal. They walk past this pile of rocks all the time. They walk past it to go get their water. They walk past it to, to bring their crops out, to bring their sheep out. It's just... It's placed in the middle of their everyday life where their feet will take them. And so as father and son go for a walk in the evening, or as mother and daughter, they'll walk past this pile of stones and, and the child will say to the parent, what, what are these stones here for? And there comes the stories again. And they'll remember together what God had done. And they will learn together what God is still doing. Remembering together and learning together. It's exactly what God wanted them to do. It's exactly what God still wants us to do here today. Right? One of the key components to, to our purpose here as a church, right? We're, we're here to grow God's kingdom through active discipleship. That's what we've agreed that we're going to do together. Grow God's kingdom through active discipleship. And one of the key components of that process is both teaching and learning together about God. Right? We are committed to, to Christian education, to telling God's story, to learning more and more about who God is and what he's done and letting that truth then shape our future as individuals and as a church community. And we're so blessed we're blessed to have so many opportunities to be lifelong learners in the kingdom of God. Right? It starts in our homes. It starts in our families. Whether you're alone in your home or whether you have an empty nest now or whether your, your home still is filled with children, whether you're young or you're old, whatever your situation, your home must be a place of remembering, of learning, of growing. Right, those of you who are parents here this morning, one of the most significant callings and responsibilities that God has given to you as a mother and a father is to help teach your children, to show them who Jesus is. You are to be the ones to tell them God's stories. You are to be the ones to teach them about God and Jesus and faith, both through your words Hopefully you're speaking that story and through your actions, through the way you live, hopefully your life is modeling for your children what it means to be a Jesus follower. That's your calling. That's your task. And, and you can't be a good teacher for your children if you aren't also a lifelong learner yourself. So parents here this morning, you cannot shrug off this responsibility, this privilege, this calling to someone else. It's yours. Help them to both learn and to teach. 
and take advantage of the opportunities that are afforded you to help you in that process, right? This church offers so many chances for you and your children to learn and grow together, right? From iKids and iClub and Cadets and Gems for our children to iRally and iConnect for our young people, middle school and high school, to iStudy and life groups and Bible studies for adults, you know, all ages, there's opportunities to be learning about God. Our Christian Reformed heritage has always highly valued learning for all ages within this community, right? Developing both, both the mind and the heart in understanding that every square inch of this world belongs to God. And from that heritage has also arisen the encouragement and support of Christian schools to come alongside us as parents. Remember, parents, it's your responsibility, but here's an option for you to help you, to teach our children, to help teach you teach your children. So we're thankful today for all of you who are teachers and administrators who've invested your careers to educating from a Christian perspective. Thank you to all of you at Ivan Rest Church just a few minutes ago, we took our offering and we committed as a congregation to give over $111,000 to enable 36 students who wanted to take advantage of this opportunity, whose parents wanted to send them to a Christian school to make sure that can happen. What a privilege. Thank you for helping to make that opportunity possible for those parents and for those families. And for all of us here, every single one of us, whether you're an adult or a child, whether you're an individual or as a family unit, from Christian school to public school to charter school to homeschool families, lifelong followers of Jesus and brand new believers. For every single one of us, the story of Joshua 4 gives us a shared calling and purpose to be both learners and teachers. Right, the experience of the people of Israel on the banks of the Jordan River give us an extremely important lesson about learning for all of us. The importance of remembering and learning. Right, and, and as they set up this pile of stones, this memorial, the first purpose that, that God gives them, that God shares with them, is to help them remember this Pile is to help them remember for generations to come when the people of Israel see this stack of rocks where they don't normally belong, they will remember, first of all, what God did for them, what God did for their nation, what God did for their ancestors. The children will ask the adults, the adults will remember, and they'll tell the story again. They'll tell them the story of God's power displayed in the plagues and the Red Sea. They will tell them the story of, about the, the of God's salvation with the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their homes. They will tell the story of God's grace, providing them water from a rock and manna from heaven. They will tell them the story of, of God's presence in the thunder and the earthquake on Mount Sinai. They'll tell them the story of, of their unfaithfulness at the golden calf. And they'll tell the story of God's forgiveness and grace when he was tempted to destroy them all. They will remember and tell them the story of the Jordan River drying up so they could enter into this land that they now call home. With this memorial, they will remember. They will never forget. Right? They, they're about to get so busy living life 
They're about to get so busy building new homes in this new land. They're about to get so busy planting crops. They're about to get so busy raising their children that they are going to be tempted to forget what God has done. This memorial will help them remember. They remember what God did. And then they also remember who they are. They are God's people, loved and cared for by him. This memorial will remind them every time they walk past that it's by God's grace and it's by God's power that they have a home, that they've been welcomed into the promised land. It is God who split the waters to usher them in. It's God who set them free and it's God who brought them home. And that makes them his slaves bought at a price. That makes them his servants living in gratitude to him. That makes them his children loved and adored by God the Father. These stones remind them not only of what God did, but of who they are now and whose they are. And when they remember what God did, when they remember who they are, then they will naturally begin to learn of how they should live in response, how their lives should now be different. They are deeply indebted to God, not only for, for the land, for the success, for the wealth and the freedom that they are going to enjoy, but they are indebted to God for their very lives. And so their lives should be lived in deep gratitude to him. If they are slaves bought at a price and if they're servants to God, their king, then their lives should be lived in humble obedience to him. And if they are children dearly loved by God, their father, then their lives should be lived in a love relationship to him. This pile of stones doesn't just remind them of the past. This pile of stones directs them for the future. It shapes their lives in daily practical ways. It declares to them where they should put their trust, who they should be obedient to. That's exactly what good memorials still do today. Right? Good memorials look both ways. They call us to look back and remember so that we might let those memories shape our future. So when we pass them, whether they're at Wedgwood Park over there or, or whether they're off 32nd Street in Hudsonville or whether we travel all the way to Washington, D.C. to see the memorials and, the, and the, the monuments there, we remember, right? Hopefully your children ask you, what's that stone there for? What's that monument for? What's that statue there for? And you'll tell them the stories. You, you'll remind them that, that our freedom wasn't free. It didn't come cheap. And you'll remember that lives were lost. And you'll remember that war isn't a game to be taken lightly. And you'll remember those who have served our country and are serving our country right now. And then you'll remember who you are. Right? You are a free man and you are a free woman because of their sacrifice. You are someone who owes them a huge debt of gratitude. You are safe and secure because somebody else put their life on the line for you. And when we remember that, then our lives change for the future, don't they? 
then we begin to live out a life of gratitude for the freedom that we so often take for granted. We begin to pray for those who are putting their lives on the line right now to protect us. We'll value our freedom because we remember the cost. Like that pile of stones beside the Jordan River. Our memorials today remind us of the past, shape us for the future in daily practical ways. Okay, if that's true, then there's another memorial that we need to put into our lives. We as a community of Jesus Christ need to, to have a monument at various places in our daily walk. We need to place it right in our daily path so that we will remember and tell the story to ourselves and to our children. And it isn't a pile of stones. Instead, we need to put the memorial of the empty cross right where we will see it. That's what Paul challenges us to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. He calls us to remember, to remember Jesus and remember specifically that he is raised from the dead because, because he knows that we will forget. As much as we like to raise our hands and say, I won't forget. I'll never forget what Jesus has done for me. We do. Right? In the busyness of our lives, we forget about Jesus. As we, as we work our way up the corporate ladder, as we, we're busy growing our business and growing our career, we forget about Jesus. As we build up our financial security, we forget about Jesus. As we raise our family, as we taxi our children to every soccer game and baseball game imaginable, you know, we forget about Jesus. As we fill our evenings with, with sitcoms and sporting events and whatever other things, we, we forget about Jesus. Our lives get so busy with the stuff of this world that you and I forget about Jesus. We need a reminder. We need a memorial. We need a monument. And so, and so we see that empty cross, and what does it do for us? It reminds us of what Jesus has done. We remember the price that he paid for us. We remember the sacrifice he made out of love for you. We remember the horror he suffered on the cross to pay the price for our guilt and for our sin. And yet, our memorial is an empty cross, isn't it? Jesus is off of that cross because we remember also that he didn't stay there and he didn't stay in the tomb, but Jesus rose again and he rose victorious and death has been defeated by life and Satan's head has been crushed and the price for your soul has been paid once and for all and eternity is yours. That's what the, Christ hel the cross helps us remember it helps us remember all that Jesus has done for us. So we remember that past. We remember that history. We remember and we tell that story when we see the cross. And then that also reminds us of who we now are. We are sinners saved by grace. We are slaves to God, set free from sin. We are bought at a price and belong to him. And we are servants of the one who has rightfully claimed us. 
We are children of God, loved so much, loved so much that God would send his only son to die for you. That's who you are. And we are now people who owe an eternal debt of gratitude to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are now people who owe Jesus every single moment of every single day. You know, Paul reminds the Ephesian Christians who they were in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to these words. It applies straight to us too. First word, remember. We're talking about remembering, right? Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember. What do we need to remember? Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenant of the promise. You were without hope. You were without God in this world. Okay, remember that. But now remember that in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. That's what the cross reminds us of. It reminds us of who we were before and who we are now. We are a new creation belonging to God. And when we, set that, when we see that cross and when we remember who we are, then we'll begin to learn to live as, as how we should live. And we'll begin to let our lives be changed by that truth, right? Just like the people of Israel who had been set free from their slavery in Egypt and now had been brought into the promised land. When we remember and live deeply indebted to God, not only for our great wealth, not only for our freedom, but for our very lives, we will recognize that we owe God every moment, every breath, and we'll live in deep gratitude to him. We'll serve our king in humble obedience. We will let the truth of the cross and the empty tomb shape every part of our lives, our daily actions, our daily choices, our daily words, our daily investments of time and money, everything. We'll remember who we are, not just on Sundays, but every moment of every day. We'll remember we are children dearly loved by our Father God. And every part of our lives will be lived in love with him. But we need help remembering. Because we will forget. We need help learning. We will forget about Jesus in our lives, unless we set up these reminders, these memorials to remember. And remember, the cross isn't itself an idol to be worshipped, but often it's the cross that helps us remember. So maybe, maybe God's asking you to, to place that memorial, that, that cross, in the well-worn path of your life. Maybe a cross belongs on your desk at work so that we don't forget Jesus in the middle of our drive to succeed. Maybe a cross belongs on the cover of your math book and your English book and your history book so that you don't forget Jesus as you learn about every aspect of his creation. 
Maybe a cross belongs sitting right next to our TV screen so we won't forget about Jesus in the middle of the excess free time that we have in our lives. Maybe a cross belongs in the kitchen, in the hub of your home, so that as you are building your marriage, as you're raising your kids, as you're eating your meals and living life together, you will remember that that Jesus belongs in the center of this family. Maybe a cross belongs near your computer and your iPhone and your tablet so that you won't forget Jesus and the time you spend online. Maybe a cross belongs anywhere in the common path of your life because Jesus belongs there. And when we see the cross, we'll ask ourselves, and maybe somebody else will ask you, what's that for? What's, what's that on your desk for? Why is that on your kitchen counter? What does that mean? And we have the chance again to remember the story, to tell the story of Jesus and what he's done. And we'll tell each other, again, who we are. We'll remember that we're children of God. And we'll remember to tell each other again how our lives have been and should be changed in the light of God's amazing grace. We'll have the opportunity, again, to look back and to look forward. If we are a community here, that is committed to growing God's kingdom through active discipleship, then that means that we will be lifelong learners. And I'm thankful that we, I'm thankful as a parent, that I didn't have to do it alone. Thankful that we do this together in community. We remember Jesus' story. We tell Jesus' story. And we let the truth of Jesus' story shape every part of our lives together. So this morning, I want to invite you to ask yourself, Dare to ask the question, how seriously are you taking God's call to be a lifelong learner? How seriously are you as parents, as grandparents, how seriously are you taking God's call to be a teacher to your children in words and in your lifestyle, in the choices you make? Where maybe do you need to set up a memorial so that you will remember and learn and let your life be transformed by what Jesus has done for you? Do you dare set it up? Would you pray with me? Father God, you've given us so many wonderful opportunities to live full lives. Our calendars fill up with grand adventures, with great things that bring us joy and fulfillment in life. And yet we confess that so often the busyness of our lives helps us to forget about you. We leave you behind as we go out into life. Father, help us never to forget. If we need to set up memorials and reminders, then help us to do that. Because you, Jesus, want to be a part, not just a part, but you want to be Lord of every part of our lives. You want to go with us everywhere we go. 
whether that's to school, to work, at home, in the neighborhood, to the sports field, to the grocery store, to the gas station. Every square inch of this world belongs to you, Jesus. Don't let us leave you behind. But Father, help us to remember all that you've done. Help us to remember who and whose we are. And may that shape every part of our lives. Thank you, Father, for a community that helps us teach our children. Thank you for a community that helps us become lifelong learners. May our lives be transformed because you are Lord, because you are King, and we refuse to let ourselves forget. In Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to wrap up our time together with a song that, that I remember from when I was a child. I love to tell the story. I hope that you do love to tell that story. We just gave that challenge to a number of young people who made their professions of faith over the last week to, to the council, and they shared their story, kind of a nerve-wracking thing, right, before these men and women and we've encouraged and we said, you know what, let this be the first time you tell your story. Tell your story again and again. And that's what I hope you will do too. That God will give you the opportunities when someone says, what's that all about? And you can tell his story. And so use the song to commit yourself to saying, yes, Lord, 